Welcome to this webinar series, Physical Activity Research Podcast and International Society for Physical Activity and Health, ISPA, have started collaboration. We have edited their webinars to audio-only podcast versions, so you can listen them also on the go. Our mission is to advance science and share scientific knowledge, so if your organization has relevant webinars or lectures and would like to get more audience to them, please let us know. But without further ado, let's jump to the webinar. Uh, good morning or good evening or uh, good afternoon, depending where you are around the world. It's six o'clock here in Sydney, uh, so we will uh, get uh, started. Thanks very much for joining us today for the fourth edition of uh, ProPASIS uh, annual conference, which in reality uh, has been biennial recently in 2021. Uh, COVID-19 tricked us into thinking that uh, it's over. So we were planning a face-to-face -face, uh, 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 conference, which uh, eventually didn't happen. Uh, so here we are. Uh, the annual conference of Propass has evolved over time. So for those who are familiar with Propass's history, uh, you may remember that the first two events were closed by invite only. In 2020, we had our first uh, online event, which was, uh, it was a forced online because uh, it, it, due to COVID, it was meant to happen here in Sydney. Uh, and the theme in 2020 was the methods of Propass, how we were developing the various methodologies and the data resource. This year, in 2022, we decided to change the focus, change the theme again. And this time, we would like to share with the research community, share the experience of uh, setting up and developing an international consortium of uh, accelerometry uh, data, which is a lot easier to say than to do, of course. Before I uh, get on with my introductory remarks and uh, set the scene, uh, I would like to uh, offer you some uh, housekeeping uh, tips. Uh, first of all, the sessions will be recorded, so uh, make sure that you are happy for your video to be on. If for whatever reason, if for example, you're wearing your pajamas, uh, you're watching this very late in the evening, you're wearing your pajamas, you may want to turn off the, your video. All sessions will be recorded. And uh, we are on Twitter, please, uh, Tag, uh, we have a dedicated tag, Propass2022, hashtag Propass2022, and uh, feel free to tag both the Propass account, follow us if you haven't followed us yet, and uh, the uh, Icebach account. So the in a very important uh, aspect of this 2022 conference is that um, uh, the second day is co-organized by the International Society for Physical Activity and Health, who are of very recently our formal official partners as well. Um, I should also introduce myself. I'm Manos Tamatakis. I'm the lead of Propass. I'm a professor of physical activity, lifestyle, and population health here at the University of Sydney. And in the next few minutes, I will provide you an overview uh, of Propass. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Propass. Some of you may not be familiar with Propass. So I will assume no prior knowledge of Propass, and I will explain what Propass is, what we're trying to do, and why we're trying to do it. And I will also give you an overview of the two 
days ahead, the program uh, in these uh, two days. We all know that uh, starting from uh, why we set up Propass and what is the uh, foreseeable impact of Propass, we all know that single studies as a unit of evidence in evidence synthesis processes has very little value. Today's research is done with meta-analysis, uh, individual participant pooled analysis, and this is particularly true when it comes to guidelines formation, clinical public health uh, guidelines, and kind of uh, the kind of evidence that influences policy and practice. For example, the WHO 2020 physical activity and central behavior recommendations, as well as a number of other national guidelines, including the 2018 physical activity guidelines for Americans, the reviews and the evidence synthesis was based uh, by 95 plus percent on systematic reviews, meta-analysis, traditional meta-analysis, as well as pooled harmonized meta-analysis, uh, IPDs and uh, this type of evidence. So individual studies had very little weight in this process. So having that in mind, we have set up Propass in a way that will the, its output will be directly will be ready to contribute to future policy and physical activity recommendations. Propass has many uh, functions and has evolved over time. We set it up initially as a data resource. Still, its more important function is data resource. And I would like to give you a little bit of an overview what type of data resource it is and. Um, what, uh, uh, how it is, it is set up. So we have concentrated on cohort studies, prospective cohort studies uh, with potential to be linked to administrative health records, including mortality records, hospital admissions, and this kind of outcomes. And we have concentrated on thigh accelerometry, one specific methodology uh, among the family, different, the family of different accelerometry uh, techniques out there. We are recruiting prospective cohorts, various prospective cohorts. Every cohort can be uh, can, can 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 be uh, uh, can vary in terms of its focus. The common denominator is that uh, all cohorts will have a set of core variables needed in physical activity or central behavior-based health effects analysis, and has the potential to be linked to mortality uh, uh, outcomes. And uh, in line with what I said before about this next generation or rather current generation of evidence synthesis, the types of evidence that is used in policy and uh, guidelines, uh, it is an imperative that data are pulled and harmonized um, somehow. So, and this is not very, very straightforward always. Some of you may be wondering why among uh, all these different types of accelerometry, wrist, waist, uh, uh, lower back, uh, thigh accelerometry, why do, did we choose to focus on a specific methodology, thigh specifically? Uh, to address this question, I would like to highlight here the thigh accelerometry propass physical behavioral construct, as we call it, which is, um, the various dimensions that uh, the health-related attributes, the health-related dimensions of physical uh, behavior, uh, which includes sensory behavior, physical activity, and sleep. 
So, of course, all types of accelerometry have their own merits, have their own uh, strengths. There is no doubt about that. Waste accelerometry, for example, we have lots of very mature cohorts. The very first uh, epidemiological studies used waste accelerometry, accelerometers mounted above the hip. And uh, uh, so we have very, a lot of events, very powerful analysis, very, very important uh, evidence. And I, I, in fact, this kind of evidence is, uh, is, is, is producing a, a very important studies now. Wrist uh, accelerometry. This is the placement uh, that most commercial trackers uh, use, Fitbits, uh, Garmin's, but also very important cohort studies that, like the UK Biobank, the largest or one of the largest accelerometry studies uh, out there, over 100,000 participants. Wrist accelerometers are very easy to wear, very little burden to participants. You get almost complete data. So there is no doubt that every accelerometry site has its own advantages. However, we were we strategically and specifically chose Phi because of its advantages in terms of assigning tangible meaning to the data. I'll give you an example. Waste accelerometry, you get an output which can be classified using cut points, can be classified as sedentary, which is not really sedentary because it doesn't uh, uh, give you an output for uh, sitting specifically, uh, blends, merges sitting and standing, uh, light intensity, moderate intensity, and rigorous intensity. With uh, thigh accelerometry, you're gonna go, go a lot further. We can classify people's time into the type of physical activity they're doing. Until recently, we could do this only with questionnaires. We understand the thigh accelerometer understands in a very valid and reliable way whether the activity is walking, running, cycling, and stair, stair climbing, for example. Uh, the thigh accelerometer also gives us very tangible meaning when it comes to posture, understands and can differentiate between reclining, sitting, and standing, for example. So well, I don't rule out, we don't rule out the possibility that in the future, Propass will incorporate other accelerometry techniques, but um, it was certainly a good idea which has paid dividends already to focus on thigh accelerometry in the first place, simply because if you embark on uh, and expand the range of accelerometry sites, you will need to develop, we will have needed to develop uh, different methods to process the signal and to um, uh, process that, uh, produce tools that uh, will be used for that specific type of accelerometry. So our life would have been slightly more complicated if we were not as focused. So as I said before, the main function of uh, Propass uh, still is the uh, data resource, and that's uh, how it was uh, founded, that it was set up back in 2017. Uh, and I would like to give you a few examples how Propass has evolved over time. And uh, literally, this list is not exhaustive. Uh, this is uh, just a few examples because we've been doing a many more things than the list. Uh, that I, I will, the examples I will give you now. So in addition to a data resource, we are a methodology uh, development uh, collaboration platform. We develop uh, methods to uh, process accelerometry signal to uh, better understand its intensity and a number of uh, other things. We have engaged with uh, nearly 20 cohorts until now. Uh, and uh, with many of these cohorts, we have developed side collaborations uh, on the periphery of Propass uh, somehow. So we operate as a um, 
kind of small research co community, uh, uh, scientific society in a way, I would say. Um, the early uh, early researchers' careers uh, community of uh, ECR is a very uh, important part of the propass machinery. Uh, we have engaged with uh, over 50 uh, ECRs actively. Over 50 ECRs have contributed directly to various PROPAS projects, and I will come back to that uh, a bit uh, later, and I will elaborate how that happened, because I think it is very relevant to any consortium and any large-scale, moderate to medium to large-scale research project. Involvement of ECRs is very, very important and can pay also dividends. As of 2021, we have uh, signed two uh, partnerships with uh, some of uh, our major societies in our field, the International Society uh, for Physical Activity and Health and the International Society for the Measurement of uh, uh, Physical Behavior. You can hear more about this tomorrow. Please stay tuned. We have dedicated sessions. Most of the day tomorrow will be uh, co-hosted by ASPAC and we have a dedicated session uh, with the president of uh, the Society for the Measurement of Physical Behavior uh, towards the end of uh, tomorrow. And uh, last but not the least, uh, we were, have been very fortunate in the last couple of years to have been quite successful with funding. And of course, uh, funding is important. The first couple of years of PROPAS where we we're doing all this work uh, unfunded. Uh, so with a little bit of funding in place, uh, obviously we can make a lot more faster progress and we can be a lot more ambitious. And a lot more ambitious with regards to the expansion of the consortium. And you will hear more about this by our uh, expansion lead, uh, Vega Ragul, in a couple of sessions from now. So as a data resource, what Propass is as a data resource in a nutshell, very quickly. So we have the cohorts. Uh, some cohorts enter Propass prospectively which means that they have collected their accelerometry data, they have collected all, the, all their data, and they simply make a commitment to contribute to this data to PROPAS. Mm -hmm. Some other cohorts, and this is a very unique aspect of PROPAS, uh, enter the consortium prospectively, which means that we support them. They haven't collected uh, thigh accelerometry data. We support them. We offer them expertise. We offer them tools. We offer them devices in some cases. Uh, we offer accelerometric devices, we can lend accelerometric devices, and they collect the data in a propass consistent way, which means has a major advantage of the data being pre-harmonized, which takes away a quite uh, big headache. Then standard part of the propass, uh, the, 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 another key aspect of the data resource is the uh, harmonization. Uh, this is more relevant to the cohorts that enter the resource uh, uh, retrospectively, but uh, certainly certain variables also uh, will need to be uh, uh, harmonized for those uh, cohorts that enter the, the consortium prospectively. And uh, I will talk about the organizations, our collaborators on this in this area, the harmonization a little bit later. Going now to the linkage. So because Propass is a resource that uh, relies on prospective linkage of administrative health records like mortality. And uh, in the current re regulatory environment, it is not possible to export data, sensitive data like mortality or uh, hospital episodes linkage outside the country where it was collected. And sometimes it cannot move even within the same country. For this reason, we have set up PROPAS as a, the data resource of PROPAS 
as a remote access, which means that the data of every cohort contributes will stay in the servers of the data custodians of the cohorts, and we are developing an infrastructure for the end users, and the end users will be the research community. Propass is a, eventually uh, will become available to the whole, uh, uh, the entire research community, subject to application, of course. So the end user will be able to access the simultaneously the data from various cohorts uh, remotely. They won't need to import to be sent a data set in their computer. And this is also very challenging, technically very challenging. That's why we collaborate with the experts in this area. Uh, the experts in this area are DataShield, a very uh, reputable organization. And we're very fortunate today uh, in uh, three sessions. Uh, to have the first keynote of the day will be by the director of DataShield, uh, Dr. Becca Wilson. On the harmonization uh, front, is it, this is a, the second keynote uh, for today. We have Dr. Isabel Frotker for Malmstrom Research, another organization with excellent reputation, world, world leaders in uh, harmonization of epidemiological uh, studies. So stay tuned, two, three sessions away, and you will hear more about these aspects of Propass's uh, activity. We have engaged with about 20 cohorts, as I've already said, and in today's program, we have about uh, seven of them. Uh, to give you an overview, what uh, the studies that uh, uh, Propass has engaged with uh, uh, are like. Uh, most of these studies are entering the Propass uh, uh, retrospectively, they have collected their own data, but we have a few studies which we support to collect uh, their data. So we have a mixture. We want to have a mixture in the program so that you see um, uh, uh, what is the experience, what the different experience of different cohorts uh, as they enter Propass. So I have referred to guidelines and I have explained uh, how setup, Propass was set up to contribute directly to the next generation of physical activity recommendations, particularly global recommendations, the recommendations and the guidelines that WHO is putting forward. Those of you who are familiar with guidelines development of this kind, you know that the evidence base is largely comes from, a, I would say, a dozen of countries. More than 90, 95% comes literally from no more than 10 to 12 countries. Most of the evidence comes from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, and Scandinavia. So we call them global recommendations. The evidence base is not really global. This is a very important limitation of the physical activity and physical behavior if you prefer evidence base. And this is the, this is the, the, the basis of our partnership with, uh, with ISPACH. And uh, because we feel that this is a truly important uh, area, we have dedicated almost the whole day on the expansion of Propass and the expansion of the physical activity and physical behavior evidence-based in underrepresented countries, which is almost synonymous with uh, lower and mid-income countries. So join us tomorrow. Uh, pretty much the whole day is dedicated to discussions and presentations on this uh, topic. How do we run uh, Propass? So it has become quite apparent perhaps that uh, over time, uh, Propass became a quite complex structure. Uh, we started it as a group of uh, four collaborators. 
uh, Andreas Holterman, uh, Mark Hamer, um, Vega Rangul in Norway, uh, and myself. And uh, within no time, it evolved into a very large collaboration and a fairly complex collaboration. So I'd like to give you an idea how we uh, how we run it. This is the new uh, governance structure. We changed this because the uh, consortium evolved and uh, grew so rapidly. We changed the governance structure uh, less than six months ago. Uh, so we have the strategic leadership group, uh, four uh, individuals who uh, determine and propose overall direction on important issues, where the consortium is going. Uh, there is a very transparent and very uh, interactive process of working with a working group. This is a slightly larger group of approximately 10 um, uh, people. And this is the group with the stream leaders. So 10 people uh, corresponds to approximately 10 uh, work streams uh, we have at the moment. And this is uh, uh, recent experience suggests that this number is, will be growing very fast from this point on, the, because we expand our activity in many areas. Uh, as of um, May 2021, we also have a formal uh, advisory group, which is attached to a British Heart Foundation grant we received last year. And of course, the role of this group is to not only to ratify decisions, but also to provide feedback and uh, help us uh, refine uh, decisions, help us refine our plans. And with the increasingly important support of our partner societies, uh, we implement uh, our plans. Uh, so I would like now to put uh, faces to these uh, faceless boxes. Just give you uh, very quickly, uh, give you an overview of who propass, who are the propass people. Uh, I'll start from the strategic leadership group, uh, Mark Hermer from UCL, uh, Anne-Marie Koster from Maastricht University, Andreas Holterman uh, from the National uh, Research Center for the Working Environment in Copenhagen. Um, the working group, I, perhaps I won't mention them each and every one of them. Uh, you will have the opportunity to meet them all today and tomorrow. They chair sessions, they present uh, their work and the role in PROPAS. And uh, last but not the least, uh, I would like to flag the huge contributions and very important contributions, leadership contributions of our ECR um, researchers. And in particular, I would like to highlight here, uh, I haven't included them all, uh, there, are, there were too many ECRs that, who have contributed to PROPAS. Uh, I only provide an overview in this slide of those who um, have uh, led work streams. I would like to highlight uh, Dr. Joe Blodkett from UCL and uh, Dr. Matthew Ahmadi, our uh, in-house, our core uh, postdocs uh, who uh, drive many aspects of the consortium. Uh, Joe is based at UCL with Mark Hamer. Matthew is based at the University of Sydney with me. So for the last few minutes of my introductory remarks, I would like to give you an overview of some landmark events, some turning points, I would say, in the recent history of PROPAS. PROPAS uh, is going to be five very, uh, very shortly. By We started it uh, sometime in June, May of June, if I remember well, 2017. Um, and uh, I would like to share with you yeah, some, some, some very important events 
who enabled us to be who you are today and do what uh, we are doing. We had our very first, our inaugural uh, meeting in Copenhagen. That was a close meeting in 2018, hosted by Andreas Holterman and his group. Uh, uh, then in, uh, in the middle of 2019, uh, we had our second annual meeting, a major turning point in the history of Propass that was hosted by Anne-Marie Koster in Maastricht. And this, was, this meeting was a major turning point because we took uh, some uh, very important decisions, some very good decisions, I would say, about ECR early career researcher involvement. And we provided structures and we provided opportunities for leadership and as you will see further down in the landmark timeline of Propass, uh, this leadership has paid off big time. Uh, October 2019, uh, we published our launch editorial, the Propass launch editorial in the British Journal of Sports Medicine with approximately around 30, 35 collaborators, if I remember well. Um, and uh, at the end of 2019, we had our first funding success. That was a partial grant. It was an NHMRC grant here in Australia, which uh, provided funding to develop certain aspects of Propass's methodology, particularly around the intensity, uh, development of intensity uh, classification algorithms and the validation of such algorithms for thigh accelerometry. This is a, these are studies that are uh, all led by Matthew Ahmadi in Sydney. April 2020, uh, we continued on a good track with funding. We received our second partial grant, NHMRC investigator grant this time, which enables us to hire manager uh, for a dedicated manager as well as um, fund various streams of uh, smaller projects, of small purpose projects. September 2020, our sister project, SARPAS, led by uh, Andreas Holterman and Nidhi Gupta in Copenhagen is receiving security funding for SARPAS, a sister project of PROPAS. Uh, there is a dedicated session or, about SARPAS tomorrow by Andreas and Nidhi. I strongly recommend you attend it because I strongly believe that SARPAS is a kind of project that has the capacity to turn the physical activity field in its head. The, it has the capacity to change to change completely how we do physical activity research with wearable trackers. Um, and hence I consider, although it's a, it's, a, it's a side project, it's a parallel project, I consider it a major landmark in the uh, history of Propass as well. And uh, we are at the end of 2020, and uh, when we received our first competitive grant dedicated this time to Propass, 100% Propass, by the British Heart Foundation. This was led by Mark Hamer at UCL, a hugely important uh, turning point because it provides us funding for uh, five years, not only to uh, hire uh, personnel, but also to develop these very challenging aspects of the consortium, the data harmonization and the federated uh, access uh, infrastructure. End of 2020, uh, we start seeing the first fruits, uh, of our ECR leadership, starting with the PROPAS accelerometry protocols. These are the protocols that will be used in future PROPAS uh, studies, studies which are entering the consortium prospectively. This was led by Gregory Milke at the University of Queensland here in Australia. Um, at the, in May 2021, we established the advisory group uh, based on the BHF grant. Middle of 2021, uh, more fruits from our ECR leadership. The software, the Actipass software, 
uh, reaches uh, the first version v point, uh, v point 1.0. This was led by uh, Peter Johansson and Pansan uh, Hati Rachi at uh, Uppsala University. This is a piece of software which will be used for the processing of all cohorts, all data from all cohorts, the accelerometry data for cohorts. Uh, and we've started using it already. End of 2021, we had the restructuring and I have already given you a clue how we are operating now. Uh, and uh, February 2022, more fruits from ECR leadership. Uh, Li Tang Tsai's group, uh, Li, Li, Li Tang is based uh, at uh, the University of Zurich at the moment, uh, uh, completed uh, concluded with the development of the prospective harmonization protocols. These are the questionnaires that will be used in uh, uh, future uh, PROPAS cohorts, cohorts which have not collected their data yet. And we are reaching April 2022 now, we're very close, a very exciting milestone, very close to completing the first pooling or physical pooling of data. Uh, this is a pilot exercise. We only use data from five cohorts using uh, Actipass software. We have reprocessed and we have harmonized all data. And this uh, pooling resource will form the basis for the first uh, hypothesis-driven PROPAS papers which will be submitted hopefully in June or July this year. Finally, before I close the introductory session, I would like to thank our partner organizations. Uh, you will have the opportunity to get to know them better tomorrow and also thank our funders. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day